0: Hi, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. It is 8.30 p.m. as I'm recording this show, so you might be hearing on my voice right now that my energy is just a little bit different than it normally is on this podcast. I normally record in the morning or in the middle of the day when I'm a little bit more high energy, and right now I am home alone with Leia for a week. Dennis is on his way. I don't know if he landed yet. He's on a plane right now on his way to Augusta, Georgia for a half Ironman race. So I am alone with Leia for a week while he goes and does the thing that he enjoys most in this entire world, which is um, running and biking and swimming incessantly for hours on end. (laughs) Isn't it funny how the things that for some people is like the most amazing dream thing ever for other people, it just sounds like torture. I mean, this is really what, what's so funny about, about Dennis. He is so excited about this race and loves it so much. And it's been a while. I mean, because of COVID and everything, he hasn't been able to race. So he's so excited to be, to be back at it. And um, Leah and I are home alone. It's been a, it's been a, another journey this week. I don't even, I feel like I can't even talk on the show anymore about the journey of the week because we are always in some sort of journey, it feels like, these days. So we've been in Aruba for a month now. Leia's been back in school and has gotten sick again. She's doing better today, I think, probably not tomorrow, but the next day she'll be back in school, but it feels like since we got to Aruba, like... Not for Dennis, he's been feeling really great and just, you know, physically, emotionally, mentally, just really great being back in Aruba. But for Leia and I, it's almost like we've had some sort of soul body reaction to being back on the island. And of course, one component to this, and I'm not, I'm not stupid. One component to this is that she's back at school mingling with a bunch of kids. Of course, it's normal, common, kids get sick, they bring germs home. I mean, that's how it works. But to me, it feels bigger than that because she's not a, a kid that normally gets sick. I mean, to be to be honest, she's rarely normally sick. And when she gets something around her health, usually it shows up and manifests in her skin. Like that's her, you know, we all have our kind of the weaker part of our systems. For me, it's always been my sinuses and my breathing, like my respiratory system overall asthma, allergies, getting stuffy, like, you know, nose, throat, kind of breath, that's my area. So whenever I get a little bit under the weather or something happens, that's where I feel it immediately. The first sign for me ever in anything when I'm getting sick is I get a little scratch, you know, at the back of my throat. That's the first thing for me. And for Leia, when her system goes down, we can see immediately because she gets these flares of the eczema that she started experiencing living in the mold in our old house, and um, and it's funny—I mean, not funny—but it's it's really easy to tell on her because she'll will enter a space or have a stressful week or something going on. And I can just tell by looking at her skin, like, okay, okay, we need to, we need to ground. We need to focus. We need to spend more time outside, like nourish ourselves more because her skin really tells me about how she's feeling. And since we came here now, I mean, she had about 10 days or a week or 10 days of this crazy ear infection when we got here and then got better. And then I got sick. And then I got better and then she got sick again. It's not the same thing that we had because it's just, it's very different. I think she just picked up another thing at, at school, but it feels deeper somehow <laughs> than just the regular cold. It feels like a full body reaction. And she's even saying, I mean, she's been, I mean, the first two days she's been coughing so much. She's been coughing to the point of throwing up. And when she's been feeling really just like pitiful and small, She's just she's been waking up in the middle of the night just like looking at herself and then looks at me and she's like what's wrong with me? <laughs> Mama, what's wrong with me? And I'm trying to explain, you know, you have a little bug. And she's like bug, there's a bug on me. And I'm like no, 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 no bug. Like I try to explain to her. I try to stay away from language that is too focused on like like there's something wrong with our bodies when we're sick. I think this is a really hard balance to strike as parents, but to not dig ourselves deeper into the hole of, oh, you're so sick right now. Everything is so terrible now. Oh, this is so bad. You know, because she already feels really bad. So I don't want to deny her symptoms. Of course not, I'm supporting her and holding her and in, in all of this. But I also don't want to make them worse. And she's a Pisces and a very emotional one as well. So anything I bring more of my emotion into, she can like go down in this deep hole of just despair, you know? It's, it's quite beautiful, actually. But we're talking about how every time we get sick, you know, it's our immune system is upgrading, which is, of course, so totally true. And that when we feel like this, you know, we just slow down and we rest and we drink tons of water and tea and we listen to our bodies and we do things that make us feel better. And we just, you know, rest and cuddle and hug. And yeah, but it's it's felt like a, an emotional illness also this time around. So, um, yeah, that's where we are at. And it's funny because going through this right now has, has actually triggered for me wanting to record this podcast episode that I'm releasing today that I'm kind of segueing toward right now, which is I really wanted to do a full podcast episode talking about my journey toward health. And, uh, I've been, I've had that in the back of my head for a while. I've spoken so much about mold and so much about detoxing and our like challenging journey, and now, even though I was so sick, I thought I was going to die like two weeks ago. I am feeling this foundational shift in my life, in my body. I can't like put my finger on it. I can just sense in my whole being that like I'm on the right path. That's what, it, that's what it feels like. Whereas for many months, trying to detox from mold, trying to not panic over all of the toxic substances that were in our bodies or are still in our bodies. I've kind of felt like it's been this uphill battle and then I felt better and then I felt worse. And it's been kind of like trying to figure out like, what is it? Like, can I just find the magic formula, right? What is it that's going to make me get back to health? And now over the past few weeks, actually it was something that was that kind of surfaced from me through that major illness I had where I was just in like fever and I was going through this whole thing coming out of that, it was kind of like the clouds parted and it became really clear to me how I need to take care of my body. And, you know, sun and Virgo, moon and Pisces, like this whole season has been really focused around routine and just the fact that our daily actions, what we do in a day, all those tiny, like millions of tiny little decisions that we make in a day actually make up our lives actually make up our health or our non-health. And I can just sense in my whole being this this foundational shift. Like I feel so clear right now that I'm on the right path, that I am on my way to peak health. Like I'm not there today and that's okay, but I'm on my way there. Like I can feel, I can feel that shift inside of me. It's like something has lightened up somehow. Like I feel less weighed down. I feel Purposeful, I feel like the things I'm doing for myself are truly working. And that's a really good feeling to have. Do scents evoke memories and transport you back to being on the beach during your favorite vacation? I know they do for me. Osea's Andaria algae body oil smells like summer or the beach in Aruba, bottled with all natural, uplifting notes of mango, mandarin, grapefruit, lime, and cypress. But it's not just about the elevated scent. This body oil is clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and deeply moisturize, leaving skin silky and soft. It delivers that coveted post-vacation glow, like you just returned from a tropical getaway. And right now, you can get 10% off your first order with our code YOGA at oseamalibu.com. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean vegan skin and body care at Osea. Get ten percent off your first order site wide with code YOGA at oseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over sixty dollars. Head to oseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for ten percent off. So I wanted to to talk a little bit not just about mold and being ill, but actually the potential of feeling really, really great and the things that I use on a daily basis and have been using for the past year that has really served me in different ways. And a, a couple days ago, I posted, and this was just like, I was in the kitchen and then I have my supplements and my vitamins and minerals and superfoods and like just the things that I use to to support my health in a day. And there's this... <laughs> It's funny that that's where we ended up placing everything. But in this Airbnb we are at now, there's a microwave. I always unplug. Like I never, we never use microwaves. I always just unplug them whenever we go to an Airbnb. But I've kind of like placed all of our supplements and vitamins and stuff like on top of and around this like microwave. And there's, there's quite a bit of it. And I was just walking past it and, you know, taking my stuff and I was like, oh, I should just snap a photo of this because this is kind of funny. It's kind of funny to me that this, this is, this is normal, (laughs) for me, you know, we, we could have like a little pantry for, (laughs) for health support the way, like some people have a pantry for like snacks and treats. Like we could have a pantry for like (laughs) green juice powders and, (laughs) and herbs, tinctures and liposomal vitamins. Like I could totally fill a pantry with that. So I I snapped the photo, shared it to Instagram and then of course get a lot of questions like what do you take and why do you take it and how does it work and isn't that a lot but then also I got a lot of like a surprising amount of really negative messages from people who were I and I'm 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 kind of getting clearer on why this could be upsetting or triggering for some people <laughs> I mean I think the whole the whole idea for some people that that we need anything other than the food we eat. Some people are just kind of dug their heels in to that idea. Like, you know, taking a multivitamin every day is a stupid thing. It doesn't work anyway, right? There's people like that. But then there's people who also feel like like it's some sort of, I don't know, like conspiracy theory, um, that there's things you can do and that, that taking vitamins or supplements, like all this stuff, like it's just – it's just a scam or companies trying to steal your money. Like there's this, that whole train of thought. And then I think, especially now, I mean, particularly now around this pandemic, there has been the two camps or the many, many camps of different kinds of beliefs around here's what you need to do to keep yourself healthy these days, whether that is, you know, here's what you need to do to heal or support your body Um, As you're moving through COVID or getting COVID or healing after having had COVID, or here's how you support your body to make sure you're as strong and healthy as possible prior to getting COVID, assuming at some point, you know, every person in this world is going to eventually have had COVID, right? I think these two, like, different kinds of camps around what are we supposed to do here? have become really, really polarized. And of course it's also like a vaccine question and the anti-vaxxers versus the vaxxers. And, and it's, it's kind of pulled everyone into this same box somehow, which doesn't, doesn't make sense to me at all. Like there's a, there's people on, on all sides that I follow because I like to hear different people's points of view. Like, I think I follow for sure an equal amount of allopathic doctors as I follow like naturopathic doctors or acupuncturists or chiropractors or just uh, functional medicine doctors, like I'm pretty sure I follow a pretty equal amount online. And each of them has stuff that I agree with and each of them has stuff that I don't agree with. Each of them will share things that I feel intuitively just for me makes sense and then share things that intuitively for me does not make sense, right? I'm not one of those people who will just, So sort of prescribed to what one person tells me only, and then only do that for my body. Right. And that makes sense for all of us. I think the fact that we've lost that a little bit is a little strange. Like obviously for health, there is no one size fits all. There's no magical formula that we can just conjure up and then apply to every single person on this earth, assuming that that's, what's going to get them healthy. And I'm talking overall life healthy. I'm not talking vax or anti-vax. I'm talking the many decisions you make in a day to keep yourself healthy or the many decisions you make in a day that might be bringing you closer to illness, right? Because we have so much control when it comes to our health. And there are so many new studies around, you know, this whole idea around what is genetic and what is actually lifestyle. There's a lot of studies coming out now showing that it's much more about lifestyle than, than previously thought. You know, so that even if you come from a lineage of people who had a lot of severe illness or heart disease or diabetes or cancers and things like that, that with lifestyle in your lifetime, you don't have to be going down that same path. And I, I mean, I resonate with this so, 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 so much. So uh, this whole kind of camp, I guess, of, of people wanting to take a more natural approach, which is the camp I am in have been bundled together with the anti-vax, anti-science, anti-everything, anti-facts, anti-like it's like everyone is now in that box somehow and that doesn't make any sense to me at all like at all it just it just doesn't Like there are people who are super pro-vaccine, who are like, you know, leaders in the scientific community, who are also very interested in the healing properties of plants and herbs. Like it goes both ways. Right. And then there are people who maybe, you know, don't want to take the vaccine for whatever reason, who also align with what allopathic medicine will tell you, who have a doctor that they will see when they have issues, that's a regular like MD, you know? And then also maybe be pursuing other other areas. Like there's people in all it's not just black and white, right? It's not just this or that. And I think when I shared that 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 thing of supplements, like here's what I'm using, there's people out there like, Oh, you think that's gonna keep you from getting COVID? And I'm like, this for me is, you know, this is not a podcast about the pandemic. This is not a podcast about about being a vaxer or an anti-vaxer. This is a podcast about my health, okay? And it was just interesting to me that something that for me feels like an absolute blessing could be so perceived as so negative to someone else. And you know, I I I I, I get it. I get it because because the whole big conversation that we're in right now is so focused around illness, right? This virus and this illness sweeping over the whole globe. It is really hard to separate any conversation around health from that kind of doomsday feeling and, you know, my way or the highway, this way or no way. And I'm just in this place right now where I feel there's no more important thing that I, that I could be doing, f- I mean, for myself, for my family, for my community, than take really good care of myself. And for me, taking really good care of of myself means I have to be listening to my body. So that means just because I follow some social media person and they start sharing a bunch of supplements that they're taking, I'm not going to go, oh, I'm going to grab all that stuff and just start taking it myself because that's probably good for me too, right? And that makes sense, right? When it comes to the decisions we take around our health, we need to be taking those decisions really seriously, and i kind of feel like the decisions that we take in a day that lead us away from health we should be taking as seriously too but somehow you know the the conversation around the world right now isn't really there and i think that's really that's really really frustrating you know like you know the people who were sending me negative comments about my supplement shelf Like I am, to them, I am crazy or extreme taking these amounts of superfoods and supplements and things like that. But, you know, eating fast food five days a week, like going to McDonald's or Burger King or eating a diet that consists mainly of processed foods that come out of a box or a can, you know, eating foods that just because that they're kind of approved by the FDA or approved by whatever governing, governing entity deals with food in your country, that whatever is, you know, says it's okay, doesn't mean that we should be eating exclusively, exclusive amounts of those things, right? Taking those decisions, like making a decision, like not moving our bodies at all, not exercising, making a decision like eating only junk food, making a decision like smoking a pack of cigarettes a day drinking two bottles of wine or a bottle of wine a day, doing drugs, like all of those things are also decisions made every day around health, right? Everything we do is a decision around health. And I wish, and I'm not going to get too deep into this, but I wish that this whole pandemic would have sparked on a government level in all of our countries i mean in sweden in the us all across the world like wherever you are i wish there was a bigger conversation around health versus a conversation around illness like i really wish that there was a push for people to exercise like what if what if the government made exercise and spending time outdoors like that was made accessible to more people What if they could support, you know, facilities that actually offer those services and, and people who actually offer those services, some extra support instead of, instead of most of those people going, you know, out of business now, because they weren't able to take on any clients. Like, what if the government could support that kind of movement? Moving your body is good for you. Being outside, breathing fresh air, spending some time in the sunshine is good for you. Having clean water available Is necessary for your health. Eating organic foods, like organic produce, why aren't they subsidizing that? Why aren't they making more healthy foods available to people that need them? Like, why hasn't this conversation become more around health overall? Because even before the pandemic, people were getting fucking sick. Every year, people are not getting healthier and healthier and feeling better and better overall. Like people are getting sick and it might not happen when we're 20 or when we're 30, but it it happens to majority of people eventually. Heart disease creeps in, strokes, diabetes, like there's a lot of, you know, cancers, of course. I mean, there's so much and people need support around the resources that they have available to actually make healthy decisions for themselves right? And this is, of course, a thing about around privilege. This is a thing around having the means, having the resources to actually spend time, energy, money on this. Majority of people don't have that, you know, if you're killing yourself trying to make ends meet, whether or not you feel really great or not so fantastic after the last meal you you put on the table, that's not going to be your priority, right? You're trying to feed your kids, you're trying to survive, And the fact that all across the world we have a system that isn't actually taking action and, you know, proving themselves as having people's health as a priority. I mean, that's just the truth things would look really differently if that was the case. It makes a difference for people. There is a reason that in under-resourced communities, you see uh, this appropriate amount of junk food and fast food places, and it's increasingly more difficult to find even just a proper grocery store, where in privileged communities you see You know, you have the Trader Joe's and the Erewhon's and the Whole Foods and grocery stores abundant and much fewer fast food places. Like that's not, it didn't happen that way by accident, right? So yes, this is a conversation around privilege or lack of privilege. And it's a conversation that we should be having, you know, because it's, it's really, 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 really sad and unjust that it comes down to this at the end of the day, that making this effort to feel good, to live a long, healthy life, to not get sick, that that's a challenge for most people or an impossibility for most people. That is not okay. And I wish that this pandemic had brought more of that. I had, there was a part in the middle of lockdown where I was feeling actual joy because I was convinced And when Aruba shut down, we couldn't take in any more tourists, like no one was coming to the island, the island's basically, you know, like the island relies on tourism, and then suddenly no more tourism, right? So the island's doing terrible. I had a moment where I was like, this is going to, this is going to cause a change. Like finally, now we are going to see a shift where the government is going to start supporting the local community and looking for initiatives to for, for for the economy that actually involve the locals, where the locals can thrive. When no more shipments are coming in of containers shipping in food to this island, finally now the government is going to start supporting farming projects so that there is actual produce growing here on this island. so we can have our first ever farmers market, this first ever farmers market available to all locals, you know of actual produce of actual organic foods, which have never been accessible to locals here ever. I was convinced that finally, now everyone can see it's not sustainable to live this way. We can't keep shipping in packaged foods. The only things available to locals are is junk food. Like now there's going to be farming. There's going to be something more sustainable coming. There's going to be health initiatives. There's going to be a change. None of that happened. <laughs> I mean, I was convinced none of that happened. I, I was so convinced that now the government's going to start growing food here for the people, not for the tourists, but for the locals. It, that didn't happen, right? So what it feels like there are so many missed opportunities to actually look at. Well, what about before this pandemic? Were we healthy? Were we taken care of? Did we feel like we had the resources given to us to take care of our health and the health of our family? And for most people, the answer to that is no, was no, and it's still no. So I think this conversation has to be bigger than vax or anti-vax, right? It has to be about more than just one piece of that puzzle. And I'm not talking about the, the puzzle of the pandemic, I'm talking about the puzzle of our health, right? So I'm getting a little bit off track here from what I wanted to talk about. But as you can tell, I'm really fired up about this, (laughs) about this topic, but a really good example of this. And I'm going to, I'm going to get into this. I've done, a when I got our talks screens back, our toxicology report, Leah Dennis and I did the most extensive talks, uh, report available where we got, we got the results of. I can't even count hundreds, hundreds of tests done to see the levels of different kinds of yeah, mycotoxins, specific ones from the mold, different kinds of heavy metals present in our bodies, different kinds of derivatives from pesticides and herbicides, toxins from drinking water and water we've been showering in, toxins that came our way literally from eating foods that came from a package So like microplastics and things like that, that leak into food because the food didn't come from the earth. It came from a box, right? So a little disclaimer, if you feel that any of this is scary to you, you don't want to ever like worry at all. You don't want to have this in the back of your head at all around eating packaged foods. um, Then maybe this portion of the podcast, don't listen to it because I'm going to share just some details about our talks, reports and Yeah, little trigger warning, maybe that's not good for you, then you can skip ahead. But getting a little bit deeper into this, okay, so I'm going to share, I'm going to share about my supplements, I'm going to share what works for me, and I have a feeling that I need to say this, I feel like it should be obvious, but if you are on a major health journey, if you are ill, if you are sick, if you're going through something big, I really suggest you talk to your healthcare practitioner before you start on any new regimen or supplements or anything like that, whether that healthcare practitioner is allopathic or natural, like that you talk to someone, okay? Now, if you are so anchored in your body that you can intuitively feel what's truly right and good for you, then beautiful. And I'm getting to that place now. It's taken me all year to feel In tune enough and connected enough in my own body that I can even sense, oh, this is helpful to me. I'm taking this now for a few days and I can feel a difference from that. Or immediately after this, like I feel a little more clear, you know, like those subtle things all year long. I wasn't able to feel that. My big conclusion is. Yeah, and let me share a little bit about my path because I got some questions about that. Like I I thought people are telling me like, weren't you the most healthy and healthiest person ever? And so my background is this. I moved to Costa Rica when I was 18, almost 19 years old. And up until then, I lived a a really toxin-heavy lifestyle. I started smoking cigarettes, Marlboro, Marlboro Reds first, Smoked Lucky Strikes for a while, and then Camel Blue <laughs> was my poison stick of choice for many years. I started smoking a pack of cigarettes a day when I was 12 and quit when I was 17 and a half, almost 18. Um, so yeah, like pretty much six years, maybe a little more even of smoking one pack, packet of cigarettes a day. And I am asthmatic. I have asthma. I don't call it chronic anymore, but I have asthma since little and allergies. That's like a genetic thing for us. And I'm learning now, it doesn't have to be something that I struggle with for the rest of my life, even though doctors my whole life told me chronic, chronic, genetic, genetic, you're going to have this forever. It's not the case anymore. But Yeah, I smoked so many cigarettes. I was one of those people that my middle and index finger on my right hand, the two fingers I used to hold my cigarettes, my nails would completely split in half the long way. Those fingers were always yellowed and like the skin would flake off of my fingers because I mean, holding that cigarette was so toxic for me that it literally showed on my outer skin. So just, I, I mean, I don't even want to think about what was happening on the inside of my body. And I had moments when I would literally use my asthma medication. I would use my inhaler before I lit up because smoking gave me asthma. What do you know? I mean, basically I was really depressed, really sad, really traumatized. I, I was trying to kill myself very slowly. I was trying to completely self-sabotage. I didn't want to feel, I had no notion of, wanting to take care of my body because I really hated myself. Right. I mean, I was in this very, very negative, dark, hard place. So there was that. And then I drank, I mean, the amount I drank, holy shit. And not just like casual drinking with friends, but like I would drink to the point of, of no return (laughs) several nights a week all throughout my teens. And yes, since, since that of that young of an age, I know 12 is super fucking young, but that's when I, that's when I went rogue. And then my diet, my diet, I never gave a thought to my diet before I moved to Costa Rica. So that's why that's kind of a defining moment for me in my life. But I had a very standard Swedish diet, I guess, which is not as bad as the standard American diet, which is called SAD, but it's still not, not great. I mean, I ate whatever was was put on the plate in front of me. There was no notion of anything ever organic in my family. I don't think that was even a conversation back then that people were having the way they're having now, or maybe it's just the world I'm in now. That conversation is everything. Um, but just non-organic foods. And <laughs> side note, I wish we lived in a world where it was the opposite, where all food was organic. Organic just means it's not poisoned, Right. All food should be organic and then there should be food sprayed with pesticides. Find them over here. But it's reverse. It's like the organic section is a tiny section in the grocery store and it's way more expensive. It's, it shouldn't be that way. But um, yeah, so I ate, you know, I ate tons of meat and chicken and fish and lots of dairy. I was really big on the dairy. I would eat like a sour milk, like a sour yogurt. Kind of, it's called fil in Swedish. It's basically like a soured yogurt that I I would eat every morning. I ate a ton of cheese. I drank a lot of milk. I just a lot of dairy, which was really heavy for me, but but I didn't know. I ate so much sugar. Holy shit, the amount of candy, like candy, you know, like not the (laughs) not the good kind of candy, like just I ate a lot of trash, a lot of junk food. That's yeah. Um, And it wasn't like I would go to McDonald's every day, but if I could sneak over to McDonald's for lunch, like I would do that all the time. Like going out, like I ate just a lot of junk, a lot of French fries, a lot of stuff like that. Then I moved to Costa Rica and had kind of a 180 degree turn where I went vegan overnight. It changed my life completely. I found meditation, found yoga. I mean, I really, you know, spent time in, I mean in this part of the jungle, like breathing the cleanest air, eating the most organic, amazing foods, drinking amazing water. Like everything really shifted for me. Stopped smoking when I was, yeah, 18, so about a year before that. Drank much less than quit drinking, but drank, yeah, not to the point of of, of wildness. And uh, went raw vegan for a while. So I really had what I can look at now, like this, pretty much like a year of detoxing. And I, I could never be raw vegan again. I don't think so. I enjoy eating raw foods from time to time, but it's just the whole commitment to it is, I don't know if I would feel good, honestly, now. I felt good then for that year. But what I really think happened was I got to have this major overhaul of my whole system and I must have detoxed so much from my body. Holy moly. I mean, uh, like 18, 19 years of that, and then a year of like raw veganism. <laughs> it's pretty intense change, right? And then from there, I calmed down with the whole raw food thing. And I went to the States for the first time in my life, like on my own, like traveling through the States. I got an American boyfriend. Okay, fine. I had three American boyfriends. <laughs> but it was such a big moment for me getting to the US and then living in the US like on and off like i spent 3 months in LA and then 6 months in Oregon and just like finding vegan junk food which i had n- i didn't know existed at all like going from having been like a raw vegan to like a regular vegan and then finding vegan junk food like i my mind was blown and i ate so much vegan junk food holy moly and then from there, I, I kind of had like a long face of being like a junk food-ish vegan. And then when Dennis and I got married, I uh, became more like a home cook vegan, like less junk food. Like there, we don't have any junk food, like vegan junk food in the but We can't really get it anyway, aside from like French fries and stuff, like a home cook vegan. But we... Anytime we found any pre-packaged vegan foods in the grocery store, we would like jump up and down with excitement. We ate, I mean, for the past years, we have eaten so much packaged vegan foods. I mean, so much of it, like a lot of fake meats, a lot of like half ready stuff, a lot of like vegan hot dogs and vegan burgers and just a lot of stuff that came out of a bag, right? A lot of vegan cheeses, a lot of, and there's good versions of all of that. Like now that I'm really, really, really conscious about it, I can go to the freezer aisle at the grocery store and I can find a vegan like vegetable or black bean burger that's made out of produce, right? That's made out of vegetables or legumes. And And it's never going to be as good, right? Because it's going to be one of those patties that like falls apart a little bit and it's kind of mushy. And it's like, you know, like how you would make a vegan patty at home. But then there's like the Impossible Burger and the Beyond Burgers and like the gazillion versions there is of that now, which I think, you know, that stuff, it's like, I don't want to like be this fear mongering person. Like it's fine. Like eat it once in a while. We were eating that shit so much, like, holy shit. It became, you know, I, I had a year or two of being totally burnt out. I was really tired, um, didn't have energy to cook from scratch all the time, or we would do that and then we would add something processed to it. We just ate a lot of processed vegan foods. And I had moments during those years where I was like, I wonder if if we weren't vegan, if we would be like a little healthier now. <laughs> Um, Not that I ever in a million years, you know, could ever go back to eating meat or anything like that. But I think we went really far down the processed foods path, which I think it's pretty natural. Like having been vegan for years, struggling to eat anything, having to make everything from scratch at home. Like it's like this kind of uphill battle being vegan in a non-vegan world. And then all of a sudden the grocery store is full of all of these delicious things. And especially like for a person like Dennis, who's like loves junk food way more than I do. And I'm, okay, I'm making us sound like really unhealthy. Like we were still <laughs> Cooking so much from scratch. I mean, you guys, if you follow me on Instagram or anything, you know, like we cook so much from scratch, still eating like tons of fruits and vegetables and green juice and celery juice and smoothies. Like my version of being a bit unhealthy in the processed food track probably isn't as bad as I think it is. I'm probably making it sound like worse than it is for Dennis. It's been pretty bad because he's just one of those people that craves junk food all the time or he's, he, he has, and it was hard for him to go vegan. So he really wanted to continue eating things that resemble the stuff he had before. And I had been doing this for 10 years Over so for me, it's like, wasn't as hard of a thing. But the past few years, we definitely went down that like processed food, vegan journey. And then also, you know, I'm a baker. I love to bake. And for many years, I baked every single day. I really would. And I would go through cycles of like sometimes raw baking and sometimes like, you know, substituting something for something a little bit healthier. But most of the time I would bake with margarine, with white flour and white sugar. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm a vegan baker. Like I have challenges already. I'm not going to go down the like route of, sourcing impossible flowers that I can't get here or subbing for like healthier. I, I just didn't have that mindset at all. I just, I just hadn't. I'm like my focus for the past years hasn't been peak health. My focus for the past years has been kind of making it through. <laughs> That's what I feel like. Like my burnout was like a mountain I was climbing, you know, I didn't have the the mental emotional capacity for anything else. And I also feel like like knowing what I know now that we were living in the mold, um, mold in the body like lives off of sugar, like mold creates candida, creates like mold is a fungus, creates fungus in your body. Fungus thrives off of sugar. Um, So if you have an overgrowth of bacteria or of candida or SIBO or anything in your gut, like you are going to crave sugar like a maniac. And I can kind of see that now, like looking back, like those last years of my sugar cravings were insane. I didn't have really cravings for a lot of healthy foods. Like I would never like come home and make a salad. Like that wouldn't happen. I just didn't have that craving. I was just craving other things. And I can see that now, like my body was so clouded. It was so clouded with so much, so much bullshit that wasn't supposed to be there. Like the mold really clouded my entire system that I, I lost the ability to really feel in my body, like how does it feel? How do I feel after eating this? You know, and now I'm in this place where I feel like all of that, so much of that, has gone, and I can eat something and immediately, immediately, it's like, oh, okay, that didn't, that didn't feel good. Like I know within 20 minutes of eating something, if that served me or not. And I can make that choice right away. Well, I don't want to feel that way. Okay, I'm not going to go back to eating that. Or if it's like a treat or something that I really love, like, okay, I'm not going to have that every single day or like massive amounts of it, you know, and I didn't have that. I didn't have that awareness within my body around food. I think because I was so clouded by the amount of mold we were living in mold, like it goes into your brain. Like once you start doing research around mold and the and neurological stuff, it's trippy. It's, it's scary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So anyway, that's kind of my like little like health journey. So from there, like, you know, baking, (laughs) eating a lot of processed foods, being a home cook, doing the stuff that I was doing, not really focusing on health, just like wanting to eat a lot. And then, you know, the pandemic came and we definitely drank more than we normally did. We definitely ate more than we normally did. I baked more. I mean, I was making like four layer cakes, you know, like five times a week. I mean, I kind of went a little rogue there, okay, which is not inherently bad, like at all. But for me, it just wasn't something that served me health wise, right? Right. So it's more than just the mold, but when we found out that we had major amounts of toxic mold in our home, we'd been living there for eight years, and we moved out, I was so sick. I had been sick on and off for so many years, moving out. I had all of these crazy symptoms. I mean, I was like swimming in my own phlegm. I was so, 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 so ill. And then I had all these months, you know, in Sweden after that, feeling increasingly better. And then coming back to Aruba and getting sick for the first time basically since April. So it does mean something being back here. It's just the energy of all of this. But when we moved out of the house, I had an episode where I shared. We got our talks reports back. And I remember crying in the episode because I was so freaked out. I didn't want to share. I didn't want to go into detail. I felt like I felt like I had been abusing my child. Like that was my actual mindset. That I had, I was terrified Leah was going to get cancer, that we were all on our way to get cancer. I was terrified we were going to have long-term, long-term damage. This was going to lead to, yeah, just forever stuff, like being stuck in something chronic. I have no people. I have friends who've dealt with mold for like a decade and continue to struggle. Like this is not something you just snap your fingers and you're rid of, right? And when I recorded that episode, just that we got the talks reports back, I was... I was in a hole, I mean, completely feeling like the worst mom, the worst wife, the worst human being, like I I did this to, to my family, I can't believe, and of course, okay, I had no idea. Had I known earlier, we would have moved out a lot earlier, like I had no idea, I did the best I could with what I had, right? But I couldn't share in that episode the details of what came out of that report because I was so appalled, I had nightmares about it. And now I went back to look at the tests today. Like it's not something that I look at all the time because it was so overwhelming. And I made little notes around the test. And when I looked at it the first time, and then I went back to it to make notes, I only wrote down the things that were the toxins that were so maxed out in the report that it was flagged um, by the lab as like, not okay. So I only marked those down. Okay, here are the things that we urgently need to get out of our systems. And now today I went back to the reports and I'm looking and I'm like, okay, there are those that were flagged by the lab as like major, 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 not okay. But then there are a ton of other ones that are in the maxed out, like hundredth and past percentile of what is okay to have in your body that I didn't even make a note of because the lab didn't say, hey, make sure you look at this. But then I'm looking at it and it's like, that's, that's not okay. Like there's so much. So, okay, I'm going to share. The first thing uh, that we had that I had in my system was mold, right? I had mycotoxins. Um, I I think I had six or seven different kinds of mycotoxins in my system, but there were four that were major. And out of those four, there was one that was the scary one that was like unbelievable levels, absolutely not okay. And the interesting part was that I had a kind of mycotoxin, super, super peaking, crazy high that Dennis and Leia didn't have as high of in their system. And then Leia had something that I didn't have. And we found out later that we had different kinds of mold in different parts of the house. So there was a kind of mold growing in the attic and there was a hole from the attic into Leah's bathroom. So basically she was breathing attic air. And of course that mold corresponded to the mycotoxin found in her system, right? There's another kind of mold in our master bedroom and the mycotoxin that I had the highest matched the mold in our. So Maybe you you need a a crash course on this, but mycotoxins are the toxins produced by mold. Okay, in case that wasn't clear. Um, So the mycotoxin I had like really, really high of was corresponding to the mold found in our bedroom. Okay, like it all made sense. Like everything that basically the reports showed like what we already knew, but it just showed us how bad it was, right? So there was the mold and the mycotoxins, but then I had glyphosate, which is the chemical in Roundup, which is the most majorly used herbicide pesticide sprayed on fruits and vegetables. And it's sprayed all over fucking Europe. It's not just an American thing. I know like America always gets the worst rap. It's like <laughs> in the States, all of these chemicals and things and food additives are allowed. It aren't allowed in other places, but like Roundup is everywhere. And Roundup is one of those things that once you spray it, People used to, I, I think now they are removing it from shelves. I, 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 it's still being used like in commercial farming, but it was one of those things that you could just go buy at like a Home Depot or like a Costco and go spray your own lawn. Can you still do that? Can someone inform me if that's the case? So the first people who really introduced like like glyphosate in herbicides was introduced for a homeowner first, And then they figured out that, oh, we can spray this on all commercial produce and basically it will kill off anything, but it will still like let the vegetables grow. And once it's introduced into the system, because it's a water soluble chemical, like you can never retrieve it. You can never get it back. It goes into the ground, it goes into the groundwater, it goes out into nature, out into all of our water sources, it like condenses when the sun shines and it's absorbed up into the sky and then it fucking rains down on us. So like we literally get exposed to glyphosate when we are out in the rain. <laughs> if you go down the rabbit hole of glyphosate, like it's a sad, sad place, but it, it's worthwhile learning about because for me getting that like shock of like the, I, I had unacceptable levels of glyphosate in my body, like levels that are like, this is making going to make you sick. is gonna make you sick if you continue down this path, right? And Dennis's levels were much higher than mine. Leia's was was slightly lower than mine, but still really high for a four-year-old. And why did we have this in our system? Well, because we haven't been eating organic foods. It's as simple as that. Organic foods aren't really available here in Aruba where we've lived, where I've lived for the past 11 years. There's a minuscule little organic section. It's bigger now I mean, three years ago, it was non-existent. Now it's like, you can almost always get a bag of apples, almost. You have to go on a Thursday because the shipments come in on Thursdays. So Thursday is the day you have the highest chance of getting anything organic. And then, you know, sometimes there's organic tomatoes, but they're already moldy because they've been in a container getting there for so long. You can get some like lettuces maybe, but that's it. Like you can't, you know, if we wanted to eat organic foods, we would starve, So I decided pretty early on living here, like, yeah, we're not going to focus on that. Like we can't be the family that's like trying, even trying to eat organic because we're just going to fail. So we haven't been eating any, we've only been eating sprayed pesticide covered produce, fruits and vegetables. And as a vegan family, we probably eat more fruits and vegetables and oats and grains. Oats are one of the foods that have the highest, like highest levels of glyphosate And even if you get organic oats or oats that are supposed to be like glyphosate safe and, you know, Roundup, it goes, spreads with the wind. Oftentimes the organic section of a farm is part of like a conventional farm. They just have an organic section so they can sell something that's USDA organic and make more money. But the chemicals they use right next door, it just blows over to that farm too. So it's so hard. You have to research the foods that are the highest in glyphosate knowing like what to avoid. But yeah, so we've been eating a ton of oats, a ton of produce, so we have wild levels of glyphosate in our bodies. Okay, so that was one. The other thing I had really high and in- unacceptable levels of is something called polystyrene, which is a chemical found in food packaging mainly. It's also in car exhaust and fumes and stuff, so you can have an overload of that in your system if you live next to a really highly trafficated area or if you eat packaged foods. Another chemical I had really high levels of in my body is something called perchlorate, which is a byproduct of rocket fuel. I have no idea how that's in our systems, but it's in all of our systems. And then, I mean, I'll just go through the list. We had, I had DPP, uh, diphenyl phosphate, which is something used in plastics and nail polish. (laughs) I haven't painted my nails maybe for three years but there's a chance that from using conventional nail polish my whole life that that's why i have that in my system something called bromopropane which is a dry cleaning chemical i never dry clean anything it's also a chemical found in foam gluing and sometimes in like insulation and stuff in housing so it could be something that was like a material in our house i don't know acrylamide I think that's like a pretty known one also in food packaging and cosmetics, also in like French fries and potato chips and foods that are like cooked in too high of a temperature or fried foods can create acrylamide, which is a really bad thing to have in your body. DMP, which is another thing found in pesticides. It's one of the most toxic substances in the whole world, DMP and a bunch of organophosphates. So basically just a bunch of shit from pesticides was in my body aside from mycotoxins. And then I had really high levels of tin. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff. Like the list is really long. My vitamin C was at the bottom. Like I was so low when we moved out of the house. And I remember being so unbelievably shocked. Like how How on earth? And Leah had low vitamin C. Dennis too. I'm like, if there's something we eat a lot of, it's foods that naturally have really high levels of vitamin C. Like we eat an unbelievable amount of fruits. Like if there's one vitamin I would never, ever expect us to be deficient in, it's vitamin fucking C. Like, are you kidding? And then our doctor said, so there, there's a system that ha- or a process that happens in the body when we are overwhelmed or stressed and it depletes our vitamin C levels in the body or it inhibits our ability to actually absorb vitamin C. So she was like, probably because the amount of stress you're going through being displaced out of your house, I mean, we were fighting, everything was terrible. Like that's why your vitamin C level is so low when you feel calm and you've had a couple of grounded weeks, like probably it's going to go up. But things like that, that I just, you know, I didn't have a lot of knowledge of what is actually happening inside of my own body at all. So one of the first things that I I started was I started this mold detox program. It's a four step program. So I am not in any way working with this company. I'm not sponsored by them. Like I have no relation to them at all. But just because so many people have asked the company that that does the detox protocol that I've been working with all year is called microbe formulas. And they have it's like a four step process where the first step is to bring energy into the body so that you actually am energized enough to like do the detox and it helps open the drainage pathways to release toxins from your system. The second phase is to support your gut and your immune support, your immune system. And then the third is like an overhaul of the body for immune support and all the while taking binders to bind the mycotoxins to release them from your body. And then the fourth step is like a heavy metal detox. So I've been doing that. So that's like part of the supplements that were on that shelf. A lot of them (laughs) that were on that shelf in the photo I showed on Instagram was this protocol. I'm on step four now, which is the last phase. And um, each phase of that protocol had a lot of components. Like Dennis made it through six weeks before he gave up because he thought that it was too much Um, We had a lot of fights about that. I'm like, I can't believe you are already just like surrendering, you know, like, but um, basically it's like a mixture of like some supplements are in capsule form or little pills and then some are in drops and there's a combination you take different times of the day. But basically the gist of it is that to, to detox mycotoxins and mold from your system, you need to bind the toxins to something so that you can sweat and poop them out. Um, and I've been taking carbon-based binders from this company. But there's lots of different ways to bind. Um, you can use clay, you can use charcoal. For kids, this was a question I got, like, how did we detox Leia? Like, I would never in a million years do anything, you know, with any child without having full doctor supervision. So with Leia, it, we just did something very gentle, which was like half of one of those Capsules every single day in a smoothie um, with a little bit amount of the of the mineral support that I was getting, and there's also foods that naturally bind toxins in the body that you can just give your child more of if you have um, if you know you've been exposed to mold and your kids have been exposed to mold. So things that like help like steamed kale, and I don't know why it has to be steamed. But steamed kale, there's studies that prove that steamed kale acts as a binder in the body, meaning that it binds to toxins. And then as it's processed and exits the body when you poop, the toxins come along with it. So giving your child, your children, steamed kale, like in a smoothie or with their food if they'll eat it. Avocado is also like a really detox-supporting food. Leia has been eating an unbelievable amount of avocados since um, since the mold. Like broccoli and like there's certain kinds of foods that are just help you release toxins from, from the body basically. So foods that support the organs in the body that helps with detoxification, like the liver and the kidneys and yeah, the colon, the digestive tract, of course. And then there are certain things you should not eat that you should make sure you're not giving your kids. If you're detoxing from mold, anything that has like fungi or mold in it, like any bread that has yeast in it, like is not good if you're already moldy like baked goods and stuff like that. Yeah, aged cheese obviously, like cheese gets moldy for a reason. Anything sweet, like peanuts is a really high mold food as well. Dried fruits is a really high mold food. Just avoiding things that that you know is like a high mold thing or high mold foods basically. And someone asked that like, you know, are there certain things that you just won't eat anymore? And yeah, the these things, the things I just shared, but basically the major ones, foods that tend to have really high levels of mold just on their own from how they are processed or produced is coffee. I know it's so sad, but coffee is one of the highest mold containing foods in the world. Wine, tea, and what was the fourth one I wanted to share? Yeah, dried fruits, but I already said that one. Dried fruits and peanuts. And it's one of those things where like, you know, coffee, if you if you know how coffee is actually processed, there's a step to that process where you soak the beans, you soak the like coffee fruits to extract the beans, which in its own, because it's such a moist and humid environment can create really high levels of mold. And then oftentimes, like once the beans are prepared and and ready, they end up sitting in these big bags, sometimes in the sun or, you know, in like storage units for a really long time. And chances of them growing mold because they were already moist is really, really, really high. Like there's just when they test coffee for mold, it's always like not fun. But there are mold safe coffees you can find. I suggest you just Google that. We have a couple of brands that we rotate. We have to order that here. But yeah, there are like mycotoxin tested coffee brands you can google and look that up if you want to if you want to get to that place. But yeah, so for instance, if I am drinking wine, I am making sure that I'm choosing a brand that actually has a knowledge of mycotoxins. I'm choosing a brand that's biodynamic, I'm choosing dry farmed wines, like I'm making a conscious choice, like I'm enjoying a treat. I'm not going to go down like the worst kind available to me. I'm going to make the better choice out of the thing that isn't serving my body, right? Same thing with coffee. Like I'm not drinking a bunch of coffee every day. Like I drink coffee once in a while as a treat. We just got a new espresso machine actually. So I tried to make my own today for the first time with a new machine. But then it's like, it's like a treat, you know, it's not, I'm not drinking 10 cups of coffee a day because that's... (laughs) that's where I am. (laughs) I don't know where before I think I would just, whatever craving I had, whatever came my way, I would just eat that. I would just drink that. I was just, you know, I'm not one of those people that thinks about, about weight or calories. Like that's not in my brain, but I also wasn't one of those people that thought about, you know, drinking this amount of this thing. How is that serving me? Uh, making that like four layer cake five days a week. Like, how is that serving me? You know, I wasn't in that place within my body for years. And now I am. Like that coffee I made today, I haven't had a coffee in the afternoon in forever. And I I think kind part of it was like, I wanted to prove to Dennis that I could make an espresso with this manual espresso machine and I failed miserably, but I made this cappuccino. It looked so good. And then halfway through, I just realized like, ah, like my stomach didn't love that. I hadn't had like lunch yet. And I was like, oh, and then I didn't finish it. Where before my body wasn't responsive enough that I would even get that like sign, you know, is I don't know if that makes sense if I'm like emphasizing that enough, but the ability to intuitively feel what serves and doesn't serve me was completely lost for several years. And just it, it breaks my heart saying that because that is so sad I could only get to that place when I was in a spiritual practice of some sort like on the yoga mat on the meditation cushion in practice in retreat like while journaling while like digging in you know but on a day-to-day basis moving through my day eating and drinking foods like that presence was clouded with a bunch of things in the way and then I'm looking at my talks reports and it's like, yeah, that list of things that like give you cancer and like leads to a whole array of horrible diseases. Like, of course I couldn't feel my body. <laughs> like, of course I couldn't sense what was serving me and what wasn't serving me. Like my body has been in survival mode and like just trying to trying to not be actively ill, basically. I'm um, being in, the, in an inflamed state for a really long time. So someone asks, like, do you still eat treats?" And the answer to that is, yes, but not as often as as we used to. The answer is yes, but it also the treats have kind of changed because now, so our diet now for the family is, and I know, oh, I hate that this is gonna sound so privileged. I No, I hate that this is privileged. Eating this way shouldn't be privileged. You shouldn't have to be privileged to eat this way. I fucking hate that this is a privileged thing. It should not be. But um, yeah, I'm just preparing myself because I part, part of me feels like, I don't know what the shame is I feel around that or around sharing that. I guess the injustice that comes along with the system being this way. Yeah, it, it's really upsetting. So we eat a, a 100% organic diet. When we eat out, which is extremely rare, like since we came back to, we've been here in Aruba for a month, we've had one meal outside of the house. Since we came back to Aruba, we've had one restaurant dinner out. That's it. Normally we we do takeout and we order in, we do that a bunch. We, there's like an Indian place we like, there's a pizza place we like. There, we usually order in a ton and we would go out to eat like several times a week Um, we haven't done that at all. So we eat, yeah, basically a hundred percent organic diet aside from whatever happens when we're out and about. Um, Dennis eats a lot of, a lot of lunches at our cafe at origin, which is not an organic cafe because (laughs) if we wanted to have an organic cafe, we would be serving ice water, (laughs) ice water and apple slices is what you would get. So yeah, his diet is not 100% organic. I eat there rarely. But basically, shopping at the grocery store, if it's not organic, I don't buy it. So what we have at the house is going to be 100% organic. And that's been, a, it's been a, a challenge. It's been, you know, we can't get majority of produce. I'm just working with what is available. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been, especially like being in the Caribbean, knowing that we're not eating any Caribbean fruits. Like we're not eating mangoes or pineapples or papayas or all the delicious things that actually are native to this part of the world. We cannot eat because they are not available organic. I can get a bag of organic apples grown in like the United States somewhere. (laughs) Like that I can get. Um, The other day I got a bag of lemons from Florida, I think, organic. Dennis came home one day with like two like packets of organic cocktail tomatoes and I was like what you got cocktail tomatoes like oh cocktail tomatoes is that's what we call them in Swedish I don't think that's how you say it in English I think you say cherry tomatoes right in Swedish we call them cocktail tomatoes I don't know why but cherry tomatoes he came back with two packets of cherry tomatoes and I was like this what you should have gotten like four of them what and then we went back to the store and there was none you know Found one organic broccoli the other day, which is like amazing. But yeah, basically, (laughs) basically we're like getting by with what's there. Rice and beans, I've been able to find organic, like a lot of like pantry items. It's unbelievably expensive, but that's what we're eating just at home. So we're eating whole foods. We're eating foods cooked from scratch. I can share what we ate today in case... (laughs) In case someone asked that but like just as an example this morning i made buckwheat pancakes i made like a we're eating a lot of paleo ish foods now because we're i'm minimizing our grain we're still eating some grains but i'm keeping it at a minimum um so we had like coconut buckwheat what else was in there almond flour i put Um, I guess buckwheat counts as a grain. We're still eating that because I, I've read a lot of very good things and we feel really good eating it. Yeah. Buckwheat, coconut, almond pancakes, I guess that I served with coconut butter, like not coconut oil, but just coconut butter and berries, frozen berries, frozen blueberries, like frozen berries. We've been able to find a lot organic, which I'm really excited about. Um, that was breakfast. I had that with some tea. Dennis had a coffee. For lunch, we had Leia had like what did she have for a snack? She had like an avocado, and oh my god, my brain. <laughs> what did she have? Oh, yeah, she had an avocado, and then she had I made these really actually, they were really delicious. They were just very ugly. I made these like paleo blueberry lemon like almost no sugar just a little bit of coconut sugar in there muffins she had an avocado one of those as a snack um i'm so impressed she's eating my new baked goods creations because they're not what they used to be um and then for lunch we had a vegetable soup i made a vegetable soup with like red cabbage because that we had today some kidney beans carrots just whatever veggies we had in the fridge. And I had some avocado with that. And then for dinner, I made oven-baked tofu with some rice and garlic broccoli. Like that was our day. I don't know. I feel like our food here is not super exciting just because we are really limited wanting to not ingest any glyphosate. (laughs) Basically, that's the fear. But so we're eating mainly whole foods. We're still eating a vegan diet. It's just produce and whole foods based and very low. We're not eating any wheat. We're not eating any... I decided to eliminate wheat, not focus so much around gluten, but just wheat. So yeah, not eating any wheat, like which isn't fucking everything. Um, If we're eating pasta, we get like lentil pasta or the chickpea pasta or one of those variations, brown rice pasta. We're eating also, and I'm limiting sugar, you know, like sugar is a treat um, where it used to be like we ate more of it once in a while, but now it's a treat. So it's not like a complicated diet or anything like that, but Getting to the supplements, which is like how I kind of started this podcast, putting aside the mold detox, which is really specific to this time of my life. It's not something that I'm going to be doing consistently forever and always, right? Like I'm putting that aside, which is like, that's, that's plenty but because it's just, I'm doing my last month of it now. So it's not going to be forever, but basically, and I try to write this down to make sure like I got the most important things. So the supplements I take, some are in pill form, some come in drops, some are liposomal, which means it's like a liquid, like a syrupy liquid. That's really bioavailable that the body can absorb right away. It's the freshest and like most whole way to take vitamins versus like in a supplement or in like a pill that the body has to break down Um, So I try to stay away from capsules and things like that if I can, just because, you know, whenever you are buying supplements, you need to look at the ingredient list. There's so many crappy companies out there that, you know, you don't know where are they sourcing their stuff? Like, where is this even coming from? And then you look at what's in it and it can be filled with fillers and like gelatin and like weird, like the capsules can be made out of really weird things. So you have to always read the ingredient list of any supplement that you buy ever and just research and try to find your way to the best one that's available for you um, within your within your budget. I like to like if I have a lot of capsules and I'm like drinking something or a smoothie or, or something like I'll I'll open them up and just put the powder straight into the thing I'm drinking <laughs> instead of taking the whole capsule just because I don't want to overload my body with capsule stuff. Um, so the actual supplements that I'm taking, I'm taking glutathione, which is one of the things someone was asking me, like, what is a thing that you, like, if you could only keep one thing that you're taking, and that was really hard for me to answer. But glutathione is one of those things that I feel a difference in my body if I miss a week. Like I'm ordering mine from abroad because they don't sell it here. Um, and I've had like, gaps also even in Sweden, I had like a gap of of two weeks waiting for for an order. And when I don't take it, I feel it. (laughs) And when I take it, I feel a difference. So glutathione is is an antioxidant and it's made up of amino acids. And the main thing that glutathione does is it actually helps your body make DNA, which is the building blocks of like everything in your body. Um, So it supports my mitochondrial function within the cell. It basically gives your body what it needs to continue making the building blocks of your actual body, (laughs) which is wild, but it's one of those things that happen if you have like a high toxic burden is the mitochondrial function within the cell stops working so that when you have something that needs to be taken care of your body actually can't heal like small, like for me, like I felt like I was always, I always had a cold. I was always with a runny nose. I, oh, it was kind of like, I was never a hundred percent well. And the, it was true. I couldn't be a hundred percent well because my body couldn't heal me 100% because it was lacking all of these functions that I really needed. So glutathione is like, it's super important for your immune function and it helps to break down free radicals and things like that and helps to regenerate, vitamins and also detoxifies your brain from heavy metals like it can actually move mercury out of the brain just like a bunch of you can google this if you want to I mean I'm just saying google it but do proper proper research but so glutathione I would not give up for anything (laughs) I take a probiotic every day I take b12 b6 Um, some fulvic and humic minerals, um, shilajit, which is an ancient, ancient tar. (laughs) Shilajit, it's like, shilajit is like one of the wildest things I take that also just makes me feel so, so good. So basically it's like, it looks like tar, like it's this thick, thick black, like bizarre looking resin basically. Um, Like it's a mineral resin and it it's created from years and years and years of plant and mineral materials breaking down. And it can only be sourced at really high elevations like the Himalayas and things like that. Um, So it's a really ancient Ayurvedic thing that it's becoming more popular now. Um, It has 84 different kinds of minerals and fulvic acids and just basically everything you need to supercharge your brain and really important for cellular cellular health as well for me the taste is almost unbearable like i can't take this in my mouth so i'll make like i use a little bit of it to make a tea and i'll drink that tea i don't even drink it every day like every other day maybe i i drink like a cup of tea made out of shilajit but that's yeah definitely part of my like regular repertoire Um, I take vitamin C, I mean, especially since like having that like vitamin C scare, now I make sure um, just to get a really high quality level of vitamin C. I take some omegas like DHA and EPA, black seed oil I found super helpful for my sinus and allergies. If you suffer from seasonal allergies, like when we went to Sweden, we were there in the beginning really for peak allergy season. And I started taking black seed oil, it just I I never had a single allergic day and normally it's like a big thing for me it's like allergies and then now because Leia has been really sick she's home with this bug whatever it is I have a couple of things that I take just to supercharge my system Um, so I'm taking quercetin um, every single day and NAC which which is N-acetylcysteine Um, I'm taking extra vitamin C. I take some vitamin A when I feel like someone's sick in my perimeter. And then elderberry is something I always supplement when someone's sick or I feel like I feel like I'm about to get sick. Um, And the elderberry formula I take also has zinc in it. So I get some zinc as well. And then I do coated silver also. (laughs) And um, I also take electrolytes every day that I put in my water. I also put chlorophyll drops in my water okay is this list getting too long are you did I have you like on my side and now you think I'm a crazy person again I don't know if I should if I'm regretting saying this but yeah I put chlorophyll drops in my water (laughs) also I feel like there's a difference between supplements like vitamins minerals like things I take every day and then the superfoods which is like chlorophyll and spirulina and like extra like green juice powders that i take and like you know when we get sick like we take echinacea and ginger tea and like stuff like that like that's like another part (laughs) that's more food i guess where the other things fall in the supplement line I, i i think but yeah so that question like if i could only keep one thing what's one thing everybody should take like i cannot answer that for you And you should not be asking anybody that question. (laughs) I mean, anybody except yourself. There is no, like every single person needs to take this and it should be this kind of supplement or this kind of vitamin made up from this company, you know, or sourced from this place. Like that's a really impossible thing to say. The reason these things really work for me is because of of, of what I have been lacking in my body. Like I can look at how the mold has really depleted me in different ways and made it impossible for my body to absorb nutrients properly for a long time. And just how these toxic substances has kind of wreaked havoc on me. Like I've needed extra liver support. I've needed mitochondrial support. Like I've needed things to clear like brain fog. Like I've needed specific things because I've had specific ailments, right? So figuring out that okay when I take glutathione for instance consecutively consistently I feel more clear-headed like I feel more solid I feel like I'm not going to get a dip and not just a dip in a day I mean like a dip in my health that's how I feel like it supports me to just remain solid I feel that way that does not mean that you are going to feel anything remotely like that because you have a completely different you know, past that I have completely different exposure to toxins than I have completely different body, completely different, you know, you're not, we're not the same. So I really can't, can't answer to that at all. And then because this for me is more about like, what do I feel like I need? I go through cycles where uh, some of these things just fall away and I intuitively end up not using them. We're taking them or I feel like I'm eating a lot of foods that have that, you know, and that food is sourced from a really great place and um, has a high nutritional content Then maybe I don't need that. Like if I was, for instance, on like a vitamin C, like fruit high, and I'm eating all these kinds of foods that I know are mega high in vitamin C, I probably wouldn't be taking my liposomal vitamin C every day, you know, but especially now, like I really feel like I need it because we're not eating, we're not eating those fruits because we can't find them organic here. Just an example. So this whole process of deciding, do I need to add something? Yes or no. I mean, the question is like, how do you feel? Do you feel like you're getting everything you need with your diet? Like you're feeling whole and good and thriving Then great, like wonderful. I think, unfortunately, for most of us, you know, and it doesn't matter how, like health means different things to different people. For me right now, the idea that I have in my head of like peak health It is a a really serious regimen of stuff because I've been dealing with some serious physical stuff. But maybe for you, I mean, hopefully the idea of this is something more relaxed where the body is already in a good baseline place where we already have really strong and good foundational health, right? Then we're not going to need as much stuff or then I'm not going to need as much stuff. But for most of us, like eating so much packaged and processed foods, having such a high toxic burden in our lives, like we all have, especially women, holy shit. Like now that we are living this low, low tox lifestyle where we are not introducing any kind of chemicals or toxins that are bad for you. I mean, from like how we clean our house, the detergent we use for our clothes, any kind of cleaning products, any kind of like facial body care, like hygiene products, like toothpaste. I mean, everything, everything, everything. Sleeping with air purifiers, using water purifiers. I mean, um, every area of our life is as low tox as possible. We are renovating our house in Sweden now. And it's the only thing I'm thinking about is, okay, what is the most, like the best non-toxic paint? the most organic materials natural materials that we can use even something as simple as like sourcing a mattress if you want a low tox mattress and not have that be filled with a bunch of plastics and or plastic derived materials like it's it's a challenge you know the toxic burden that we are all experiencing every day just from living fucking life from breathing air like it's it's intense like I said, like glyphosate rains down on us when it rains, like that's fucked up. And then, you know, as women, we're also like painting our nails with toxic nail polish and using perfumes and makeup. And it's just the, the burden of the toxins that we are ingesting or putting on our skin or breathing. It's so fucking high. So I think that most of us could use a bit of extra support. Like for most of us, our bodies have to work really, really, really hard to detoxify these things naturally. Like in a perfect world, the body does this for us. Like we have our organs that actually work to remove harmful things from our system. But when the body becomes totally burdened, it's like we exhaust the organs. They can't function for us anymore. The, the toxic burden is too high. So then adding some supplements to help your body do what it needs to do, I don't think is a bad idea. You know, and if we're eating pesticide sprayed produce, you know, monocropped farming, depleting the soil from all the natural nutrients that should be there. It's like, I read that, that eating a carrot in the 1970s to get the same nutritional like value of that today, you have to eat four carrots to match that nutritional content. So The nutritional content you would get from one carrot in 1970, you now have to eat four to get the same amount of minerals and vitamins just because the soil is so depleted and then farmers have to resort to using artificial fertilizers and things that aren't meant to be put into soil just to grow these crops. Like The way things... The system's put into place right now. It's not how nature intended it to be. So we're getting less and less nutritional quality from the food that we eat. And, you know, su- supplementing our diet with some extra things, like if if you're drawn to that, then I say, do your research there. And I sometimes come across something and it can be like hearing a friend talk about a supplement that they're taking or reading about something. And sometimes I really feel it in my gut like I can feel intuitively, ooh, I want to try that. But I don't just drive over to the to the vitamin store and just buy a bunch of it. Like I research it. I learn about why am I why should I use this? What is it good for? How has it been used in the past? How could it serve me? What does a deficiency of this thing actually look like in the body and does that resemble something I feel? You know. And then I would try to find the best possible source of it. What is a company that makes this supplement or this vitamin or whatever it is that is transparent enough that I can learn about how it's created, right? How is it sourced? Where does it come from? And what is the process involved in that? And what's the most bioavailable way for me to ingest this, you know? And if the answer is the best way to get this into your body is to eat foods that have high amounts of that vitamin, then do that. Like that's the most bioavailable Wait, like if that's possible to you and you can find organic versions of that like up your diet with that if that's not a possibility right because sometimes we have to eat like insane amounts of that thing or that thing just isn't available or it's not something that is natural for us to put in our diets then yeah what's the best source of that vitamin that i can find and i love going the liposomal route just because <laughs> i don't love taking pills i like i like taking a liquid if i can and that it's something that absorbs that a body can the body can absorb really fast. And then, you know, it doesn't end there. So if you start taking something new to really evaluate, not just adding a bunch of stuff and taking all of that stuff at the same time all together, but really evaluating how do I feel? Does it feel like this is making a difference for me in my well-being, in my health? How does it serve me? How's my sleep? How's my digestion? How is my energy? Like, has something shifted? And if a couple of weeks in, you feel absolutely no difference, not even an energetic difference at all, then maybe that thing wasn't for you. Or if all of a sudden, you know, sometimes like I, I've, I'll take something and then I feel like, oh, right away, I can feel a little bit repulsed or like things fall away, right? Things I was taking in April that I felt like, holy shit, this is so important. I really need this. I'm not taking anymore because I feel like I don't need it anymore. So in a dream world, and this is where I am (laughs) planning on moving toward or where where I want to set my life up to get to, is I would like to live a life where I get to grow all of my own produce. Like I would like to be self-sustaining. That is my dream. Now, is that going to happen for me this year? No. (laughs) Next year? No. (laughs) You know, it's not something I can just snap my fingers and make happen. But Health wise, I want to live a lifestyle where I eat what I've grown myself, right? Where I actually get to tend to and take care of a piece of land, and then have that piece of land take care of my family in return. Like that's what I want, because knowing how our food is grown is the best way to ensure that the food we're eating is actually good for us. And up until the moment that that's available, you know starting relationships with local farmers in your area like figuring out what's available to me seasonally where i live like in this season what's available what's abundant what naturally grows what are the organic farms and farmers in my area and maybe you'll have to drive like 45 minutes or an hour to get to one and that's like i would happily do that if it meant i could go home with a trunk full of veggies like yes are you kidding Like if there's a farmer's market, like spend more time going there, supporting the farmers there than you do going to Whole Foods, supporting Amazon. Like if you can, if you can, and if that's available and you have one, like in Aruba, we don't have, there's no place to go. Like it's, it's part of why I feel this big longing to move away from here because I, I crave that so much. And, you know, eating seasonally, is it natural for me to like live in Minnesota and eat mangoes all year round? Like, no, you know? And doesn't mean we're never gonna ever eat things that don't grow where we are, but can we start having more of that thinking around the foods that we put on our plate? Like, where did this come from? How was it grown? Who was involved? Is it a kind process to the people involved, to the planet, and is it kind to my body as I put this in my mouth and, you know, have it be digested by my system? So, yeah, I I know I'm ranting a little bit, I am very fired up and passionate about this subject and I want to end just on a really important note. This was a question I, I wrote it down in caps because I felt it was so important that I covered it on this show. And the question is this, as only privileged people can afford working toward perfect health, is it fair to create fear around toxins? I think this is such an important question and and, and, and one I really want to cover before I close this episode so, the most important thing to remember is that there are low cost ways to lower our toxin exposure. Like there are things we can do now with less resources just from being informed, right? The simplest thing that I can think of that is like a life change lifesaver game changer is. All those really, really, really toxic cleaning products that are hiding underneath your sink or in your cleaning drawer or wherever you put your cleaning stuff or where most people put their cleaning stuff. Things like Clorox and bleach and just conventional like dishwashing liquid and all-purpose cleaners and bathroom cleaners and things like that, like that stuff, if it's conventional and regular, like you can trust that to be so toxic and so bad for you. If it comes with warning signs, like don't inhale this or don't use this in a room where there's children present or don't touch or don't let this touch your skin or like even like don't ingest, like all of those warning signs are there for a reason, right? And you can Take one of those old bottles, clean it out, fill that two thirds of the way with water and one third of the way with white vinegar. You can buy one of those massive things, like gallons of white vinegar. It's so cheap. Add a couple drops of essential oil or skip it. You don't even have to. And you have the best all purpose cleaner ever. I mean, you can clean your entire house with water, vinegar, and fricking baking soda like the cheapest, most accessible things that most people already have around their house. And you can throw away or never buy again, those expensive, high toxin, like toxin heavy products that you use to clean your bathroom and your house is going to be clean. And I, and I really feel like this is so uh, like, I can see this even here, like even in In Aruba, like if you go to the more underserviced or under-resourced areas, you find the most amount of really heavy-duty cleaning products. And then you go to the more privileged areas and it's like, you get the organic one with the smelling like lavender, you know? Like that shit is so unfair that the under-resourced communities carry a higher toxic burden. And of course, in under-resourced communities, like if you look at here, like who is cleaning the houses of the privileged people, with all those toxic things, who are the people actually inhaling those fumes in a lot of places? Like it's the people that, (laughs) that shouldn't be, it's the people that should be supported. The people that probably need more support and more knowledge. Like we all need more knowledge around what is harmful for us. So something like that, like making that kind of a swap, it saves you money. It's cheaper. And it's going to like save your health 100%. So just Googling and researching like DIY cleaning products or low toxic cleaning products or, you know, make your own, like you're going to find so many ways to go about this and your house is going to be as clean as it's ever been. It's just not going to smell like Clorox. We've like identified the smell of heavy, heavy toxin with clean and it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. So that's one way. Another way is just, just learning about like the clean 15 and the dirty dozen. So the dirty dozen is like the produce that have, that absorb the most amounts of pesticides Um, that if you can't get them organic, and this is stuff like strawberries and grapes and like fruits and, and, and vegetables with the really thin skin where like the whole food really absorbs the herbicide, the dirty dozen, like if you can't get that organic, then don't let that be the center of your diet right? Don't reach for that every single time. The clean 15, which is other foods like avocado and cabbage and things like that, um, with like a harder exterior and the pesticides don't penetrate as easily. Like if you can't buy organic opt for those things, right? You can make small little choices in your day where you're lowering the toxic burden. And you can do that after the resources that you have available to you. Things like if you're moving houses or you're going to get a new rental or a new place, like having the knowledge around mold and water damage, just having that knowledge so you can ask the homeowner or the previous owner, like, was there ever water damage here? Like that kind of question can like save someone's life, can save you years of illness and pain, just knowing how to avoid entering water damaged buildings or buying or renting from a place that most likely has mold. Like this is just knowledge and it's knowledge we should all have. It's not knowledge that should be afforded just the privileged few, right? Everyone should be able to to be aware of these things. And I think there are ways to go about speaking about this that that can feel more inclusive and more whole and more supportive of, of every part of our community, and I don't like this idea that talking about health or talking about toxins even, like we, you should save that for the privileged community because they can afford to do something about it. It's like, well, fuck, it's my responsibility to make sure that the people in my life that I come into contact with, that they can make similar choices for themselves too. And I think there's ways to do that that doesn't push fear or this scary narrative that everything is terrible, but like we can do the best we can with what we have. And for a lot of folks, you know, just having some knowledge is a game changer. You know, do I need to use this amount of like perfume every single day? Is this the nail polish I need to use? Or can I opt for another brand if I'm buying some, you know, even just researching a little bit and learning how to read the back of a label like you can buy really affordable packaged foods and just knowing how to read the label and what to look for make the choice that's the lesser evil right so not talking about this is going to keep the system in place where this is just allowed and okay you know and i just feel like it's it shouldn't be you know it really 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 shouldn't be okay. And I, <laughs> I'm nearing the end of my <laughs> one and a half hour podcast rant. Holy shit. If you've stuck with me throughout this entire show, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I trust that if you're, if you've made it all the way to the ending of this episode, that you are on a big journey with this stuff on your own. So trust that your intuition is already brought you here for a reason, and taking just a few steps down this path, you're going to be able to make some major changes in your life that's going to affect how you feel, right? Because that's what it's all about. It's how do I feel? We all want to feel better. And out of those million little decisions that we make every day around what we choose to focus our energy on or what we choose to not focus on, that makes a difference. Those actions make up our lives, And I am really committed to making actions and taking actions today that's going to help me create the life I really want to have tomorrow. So on that note, thank you so much for listening. Take really good care of yourself. And uh, I'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I hope you love it. If you enjoy the show, make sure you listen, rate and review and follow all episodes of the Yoga Girl podcast, Conversations from the Heart. Available now for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey and wherever you normally get your shows. And of course, a big thanks to my sponsors. Make sure you support them the way they support this podcast. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studio. I'll see you next week.